Good morning, everybody. It's an exciting day. Hey, if I haven't had the chance to get to meet you, my name is Joe Polino, and I get to serve as the lead pastor here. It is a joy to do so. So how are we doing this morning? Awesome. Well, hey, like Marshall said, today is Baptism Sunday. Uh, so we're going to celebrate some baptisms today. We have three people who've decided they would like to be baptized. So we're going to get to celebrate with them soon, shortly after the end of this message. But today is also the last day of our Identity in Christ practice. Okay, it's our last Sunday. It, it starts actually the last week. And so if you are just joining us, a little recap on where we've been. Uh, our prayer this year as a church is for God to make us one. God, make us one. God, make us one with you that we would grow in relationship with him. God, would you make us one with one another so that we would be known as people who are unified by the Holy Spirit, that we love one another so that the world will know who Jesus is. And this make us one prayer is not something that we came up with. This is a prayer from the lips of Jesus in John 17. So if you are hearing me say, okay, one with God, one with one another, I don't know which one of those seems like a bigger hurdle to you. Uh, it's not possible on our own strength. But if Jesus prayed it, then I can say with confidence, it will happen. Amen? So we wanna take steps to, uh, to uh, pray this with Jesus and, uh, and actually become a church that grows in union with God, communion with the saints, and in partnership together so others can meet Jesus. So how are we doing this? Well, throughout the uh, spring, summer, and fall leading up to uh, Christmas, we're gonna be in the book of Ephesians. Because in the book of Ephesians, it talks a lot about union with God. It talks a lot about how we relate to one another. And so that's where we've been. And we've been through chapter one and then uh, started chapter one and then into chapter two, verse 10. And we put a pause and said, okay, we just read a lot of truth about who we are in Christ. Let's put a pause on that and actually put it in the practice. And so we've done it in two main ways. We've practiced in two main ways. Uh, one is that we have a bookmark that has instructions on how to practice your identity in Christ. And it follows the four R's, okay? So one is reading scripture. Two is receiving God's truth about who we are in Christ from that scripture. Three is rejecting lies. And then fourth is just repeat daily. And so on the bookmark, it has those instructions. And on the, on the other side, it has a cheat sheet if, of looking at all the truths about who I am in Christ, that I am a saint, I have grace and peace, I am blessed with every spiritual blessing. I am chosen, I'm holy and blameless. And so we are just letting that saturate in us. And then also on Sunday, we've been doing teachings on our identity in Christ. And so if you haven't been with us, just as a review, or if you, uh, if you have been with us, uh, a review is that here are the topics we've done. We've talked about how we were in Adam, but now we are in Christ. And what does that mean? We've looked at, we are forgiven in Christ. We've looked at the difference between our identity, our calling, assignment. And then last week, Donnie did a great job of preaching that we are adopted in Christ. And we had baby dedications on that Sunday. And then today, I'm going to do a little teaching, and then we're going to have baptisms on how we are baptized in Christ. Okay? So you guys ready to get in God's Word? Okay. 
Well, hey, turn with me to Matthew 3. So we're not gonna be in Ephesians, but we're gonna go to Matthew 3. But before we do that, I just wanna ask you on the practice, how has it been going for you? How has it been going for you? And you don't need to answer that, but I want you to think about it. If you've been with us, how has this practice been going for you? And as I was thinking about it for myself this week, how has it been going? To be honest, I was just sharing with the Lord, just praying. I said, Lord, I'm a little discouraged about how it's been going. And I was the one who helped with our team create this uh, material. And so I said, I'm a little discouraged. I was like, why am I discouraged? And I was like, I, I think there's just this desire that I wanted to go deeper in me. And also there's just this honesty of, man, you start out on a new habit or like, I'm gonna do this plan. And then life just gets in the way and you're not as consistent. And so I'm like, Lord, like, I, 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 what's going on? And, and I just felt like he encouraged me with two things that I wanna encourage us with here this morning, okay? Number one is that I wanted to be all done with my identity in Christ after six weeks. Like I wanted to go from A to B and be like, okay, I've got that wrapped up. Now I know that's not smart, but like if I really asked myself, why am I discouraged? It's because at the end of six weeks, I feel like I'm just getting started instead of actually getting down deeper into what, in, in the core of who I am that I am in Christ. Does that make sense? And I just feel like I wanted to encourage us if you feel that way or if you're like, you know what, honestly, I intended to, but I haven't jumped in or haven't been consistent. The win of us doing this as a church isn't that we would be finished by the end of the six weeks, but it's that we would all take a step and start together. Because no matter what spiritual discipline you do, it is a lifelong process of becoming like Jesus. We never arrive. And so I just wanna encourage you. I was encouraged by that. So, hey, jump in this week, this last week. Get a bookmark and just pray, God, show me the truth you want me to receive, what lie do you want me to reject, and put it in me. So that was the first thing. But the second thing, and this is probably the most important thing, is I just felt like the Lord was saying, Joe, have you prayed that this would go deep in you? And I was like, I really haven't. And so I took some time to pray from Ephesians 3. And this is what I found myself praying and I wanna encourage you with. Ephesians 3, 17 through 19 says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how, how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And I just felt like that part where in that scripture where I'm praying that this, to know this love that surpasses knowledge really jumped out at me. And just realizing that guys, man, wh whoever is the, your favorite Bible teacher and you like, oh, that I just love hearing from him or her and explaining the scriptures, even the best teaching on this that there is an element that surpasses knowledge that we need the Holy Spirit to bring this deeper into our hearts. And so I just wanna just stop right here before we get into the word and talk about baptizing Christ to pray that God, would you do something in us that would surpass even our understanding in our heads, but it would get in our hearts. So just wanna invite you to pray with me. Lord, I pray that for every person here, man, woman, and child, God, that we would experience that knowing this love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. 
I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. So we're going to look at Jesus' baptism this morning before we get to other people's baptism. So if you go to Matthew 3, this is my talk. This is my short teaching, is that we are baptized in Christ. And the big takeaway for that, this amazing truth, is that if we are baptized in Christ, if we are in Christ, then what is true of Jesus is true of us. What's true of Jesus is true of us. And so we're gonna see in Matthew 3, number one, we're gonna look at where does Jesus look for his identity? Number two, we're gonna see, okay, what does God say about Jesus's identity? And then number three, okay, what do we do then? What do we do with that? So turn with me to Matthew 3, and I'm gonna begin reading uh, a little bit ahead of his baptism. It says in verse one that there's this guy named John the Baptist, and here's what it says. It says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, of Judea and saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come. This is he who has spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for, for him. Now John's clothes were made of camel's hair and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts with honeys and people went out from Jerusalem and all Judea, Judea and the whole region of the Jordan confessing their sins and they were baptized by him in the Jordan. Okay, so what's happening here? So there is this guy named John and he's called John the Baptist and he is out in the middle of nowhere and he is the designated prophet declaring that the kingdom of heaven has come near, get ready. Now, what's the deal with his clothes and camel's hair? Well, this is uh, what Elijah the prophet in the Old Testament wore. And so he is a prophet like Elijah who is fulfilling the scripture, preparing the way of the Lord. The other thing I wanna point out is that he's at the Jordan River. So the Jordan River is the river that when Israel in the book of Exodus was in the wilderness, they needed to cross over the Jordan in order to inherit the land God had promised. And so what's happening here is he's saying in the Jordan River, we need to get ready because there's a different kingdom that's coming, not one of Israel, but one of heaven, okay? But he's saying that I'm not the Messiah, but there is a king that is coming that's gonna usher in this kingdom of heaven. Who is this king? Well, if you keep reading in chapter three, verse 11, here's what John says. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worried that he carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So here's the difference. John's baptism is for repentance, preparing for salvation. Jesus's baptism, which he's about to give, is for repentance for us to be saved by the power of the Holy Spirit. One is for preparation, the other is for activation, okay? You guys following with me? Okay, so this is, a, this is where we're gonna be for the rest of our time, verse 13 through 17. So then it says, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him and saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? And Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, 
He went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Okay, so we're gonna look at where does Jesus look for his identity on point one? So if, if, if Jesus' baptism means that if we are in Christ, what's true of him is true of us, where does Jesus look for his identity? Well, first, if you look in verse 13, what's going on here? John is pointing to people saying, this guy is it, Jesus is it. And then Jesus comes and says, hey, baptize me. And he's all confused. He said, no, 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 this is a baptism for repentance. You have no need to repent. I need to repent to you. You need to baptize me. But Jesus says, you'll understand in a moment what, or later on what this is for, but it needs to be done. And really what this is, this is Jesus's anointing ceremony. It's his public anointing ceremony declaring who he is, okay? So that's important. I'll come back to that later. So then in verse 16, where does Jesus look for his identity? Because John the Baptist says, you're the Messiah. Who knows, maybe his mom Mary says, hey, this is who you are, but where does Jesus look for his identity? In verse 16, it says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of heaven. I mean, he went up out of, out of the water, sorry. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove alighting on him and a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with him I am well pleased. So my, my first point is just simply this. Where does Jesus look for his identity? Jesus looks to heaven, specifically to his heavenly father for his identity. So I wanna ask you the same question. Where do you look for your identity? Where do you look for your identity? Do you look uh, to people? Do you look on earth? Or do you look to heaven for your identity? Because I think it's important where we look for our identity, okay? This whole series, if someone was to ask, who are you? Maybe one question they would ask is, what do you do for a living to try to know you better? And that's not a bad question, but if your identity is work, I am what I do for a living, then that's important about you, but that's not a good foundation, is it? You know, I mean, what, what would happen if you don't like your job? then your, your identity is pretty, pretty bad. Your, your value is pretty bad. Or what happens if, if you need that job performance or that career to really be, uh, to say that you are valuable? And even if you crush it, even if you get to the top, the king of the hill in your profession, you have to keep, you have to sustain that. And someone's always going to be better than you or smarter than you or more creative or AI is gonna come, to get, come along and take all of our jobs, you know? So uh, whatever is gonna happen, like, like your, your work is not a good place to put your identity. Another place is your relationships. I am who I'm with or I am who I belong to. And that certainly is an important part of who we are, of our family, of our friends, of our relationships. And, and there's a part of how God's made us to be wired towards that. But if we look to people for our identity, instead of to God, instead of heaven, that's not going to be a healthy situation. Because if you need someone to give you affirmation, if you need their love in order for you to have identity, then you are not really free to love them back because you can't be honest with them because you need, you need their approval. You need their affection. You need that. So the only way that you can truly have 
healthy, interdependent relationships as if our identity is from heaven and not from among ourselves. And then the last one is just money or things. Uh, I am what I buy. I am what I wear. The car that I drive, the clothes that I wear, the sneakers I wear, the phone that I have, that's part of my identity. I was thinking back to the first disagreement, I'll call it, that my wife and I had when we were dating had to do with my wardrobe. She was giving me feedback on my clothes, in particularly my cargo pants, which were not in style. And she was like, hey, you know, she was trying to speak the truth to love and help me out. And I took offense to that. I said, hey, like, I'm not into the whole, uh, no offense if you are, but I was not into the whole hipster scene at the time. And that I was just like, are you trying to change who I am by taking away my cargo pants and my chocolate? Like, it, it's, it's funny. They're actually back in now. Um, so, you know, they come around. But, amen, amen. But money or things, we laugh, but that's a big part of our culture is that who, like what we wear, what we buy is a part of our identity and it's just not a good foundation. But the best foundation is to look to heaven, to look to your heavenly father. That's what Jesus is doing and that's what we need to do. So when Jesus does that, what does God say about Jesus? Well, again, in verse 17, this is what the voice from heaven said. This is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Another translation is, this is my beloved son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Jesus has not done a thing up to this point that we know of miracle. Uh, there's no documented account of him doing anything that would say like, wow, God's so proud of him. He just is his son. He's just in relationship with the father like he always has been. And that's his identity. Isn't that powerful? And so if that's true of Jesus and we are in Christ, that is true of you and me. That's amazing. But if you might say like, well, of course that's true of Jesus. I don't get the connection. How is that also true of me? Well, we've been talking a lot about in Christ, right? In Christ is the most repeated expression for us to know that, uh, it's, you know, Christian is only used three times. In Christ is used over 150 times in the New Testament. But if you think about it, Christ is actually a verb, if you didn't know that. So Christ comes from the Hebrew word Mashiach. Say it with me, Mashiach. So it says Jesus, the Mashiach or the Messiah is where you get that word. It means to anoint to smear, to put oil on. So Jesus, the Christ, Jesus, the anointed one, Jesus, the smeared one, Jesus, the set apart one is anointed. And so in the Old Testament, God would uh, order that priests, high priests and kings would be anointed with oil, that they would be special representatives to God for the people, that as, as it went with the king or the high priest, so it went with the people. They were representatives. And so here, Jesus is anointed, not with oil, but with what? In verse 16, it says that the heaven was opened and, the, and he saw the spirit of God descend on him like a dove. He's anointed with the Holy Spirit. So he is Jesus, the Christ, Jesus, the anointed one. And so when we say that we are in Christ, we are saying we are in the anointed one. 
And when we say that you are a Christian, it means that you are a little anointed one. You're a little Christ. You are a little anointed one that we together as Christians, and also Christian wasn't used in the scripture a lot, but in the first and second century, people would connect with a leader by saying, oh, he's a Herodian. And, and so when they said, oh, he's a Christian, they're saying, oh, they, they follow the leader of Christ. And so that's pretty powerful. I, I, you know, I, I was thinking about that and I was like, okay, that's kind of a cool Bible trivia, but what does this actually mean? And so I just would say, this, this changes everything. If you th- it really does. If you really let this sink in and if God help, help us to understand this, if you think of David and Goliath, okay? Think of David and Goliath. David was anointed king as a shepherd boy, right? And Goliath was the champion of the Philistines coming out to annihilate Israel. Said, we'll put our best man out. You put your best man out. Whoever wins, will. Uh, that's the way we're gonna determine this war. And so Goliath is out taunting the nation of Israel and no one is stepping forward except for the anointed one, which is David. And David overcomes Goliath. And this is what happens. When King David overcame Goliath in the name of the Lord, David's victory was Israel's victory. David's freedom was their freedom. David's spoils was their spoils. David's advance was their advance, okay? So in the same way, when Jesus Christ overcame our enemies of sin, the devil, and death on the cross, And in his death, burial, and resurrection, Christ's victory is our victory. Christ's freedom is our freedom. Christ's resurrection is our resurrection. Christ's power over sin is our power over sin. And his standing is also our standing. So today, if you are in Christ, God looks at you and says, you are my beloved son or daughter with you, I'm well pleased. Romans 6, three through five kind of drives this point home with baptism. It says in verse, in verse four, actually, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was, was raised from the dead through glory of the Father, we too may have new life. For we have been united with him in a death like his. And we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. So where do we go from here? if we are baptized in Christ and what's true of Jesus is true of us, then we need to look to our identity. In our, where do we look to our identity? We need to look in the same place Jesus did. Amen? In heaven. And number two is that what does God say about Jesus? He says that we are his beloved child. At the core, we need to know that we are loved children of God as our identity. More than what we do, our relationships, that's what we need. That's at the core. But then number three, so what do we do with it? And I just, again, going back to feeling discouraged this week, you know, I just know in this room, there's like, hey, I hear what you're saying, but you don't know my life. You don't know the ways I've disobeyed this week, or you don't know uh, my past, or you don't know uh, how, how, like what I've been doing. I, I want to know God like this, but it just seems so distant. And so what do we do with this? And I just wanna encourage us with, with three things. Number one is, do you believe in Jesus Christ as your leader, 
as your king, as your savior? Do you believe? Do you believe? Because baptism, when, we, when we're about to witness baptism in a moment, that is not the moment that these people were saved. If you go to Ephesians 1, 13, this is what it says. It says, and you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. Say believe. So when you believe, you were marked with him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. That what we're about to witness about them going down in the water and dying to self and raising up a new creation that united with Christ, that happens the moment that you believe. Have you believed? Do you believe? Have you decided, yes, I believe that I need to repent of my sins and put my faith in Christ? Do you believe? If you haven't, today, stay. Put your faith in Christ. Come on. And then second, if you have believed, have you been baptized? Have you been baptized? Baptism doesn't save us, so why, do, why are we baptized? Uh, there's several reasons, but the one I just wanna put before you is a way to just say, God, I love you back. God, I love you back. I want other people to know that I am deciding to follow you. You know, you think about it, Jesus didn't need to be baptized and have the heavens open to know that he was a loved son. But he did it because he wanted to declare the kingdom has come and he wanted to set an example for us to follow. And so if you haven't been baptized, man, we would love to talk with you about that. And sometime in this summer, we will clear the schedule on Sunday morning for you to be baptized. So come and talk to us. Okay, and then lastly, just this question of where am I finding my identity today? Where are you finding your identity today? And, and we're about to have some people uh, come up and share their testimony and be baptized. And as they are, man, just pray that prayer with me. God, with the love, just hit me in a deeper way of this is what you've done for me as well. And we're gonna celebrate. Okay, so you guys ready to celebrate some baptisms? Okay. Okay.